0: Kristen ray harrington welcome to another episode of our podcast mike and Kristen, a podcast that ranked number 54 in the world in arts-based podcasts on the apple podcast charts and that's a stat we're pretty proud of and we want to get to number one at some point point. and if we keep doing what we're doing you never know right we're gonna get there
1: persistence is key Michael Stephen Ryan. Should we be called the Michael Stephen Ryan and Kristen Ray Harrington podcast? <laughs> it
0: has a nice flow to it, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> Maybe we could make an acronym or something that rolls off the tongue a little smoother for it.
0: Mike and Kristen's smooth enough, I think.
1: It's not, it's not broken.
0: It works. We don't have to change anything.
1: Okay. But yes, we are very proud of that ranking. We're still always thriving to raise the ranks, but more importantly, we're just here to continue chatting with people in our community and fellow artists that we admire and just want to get to know a little better.
0: Yeah, we've been lucky to get to know so many awesome people, including this week's guest, Sarah Irwin.
1: Sarah Irwin is a fabulous painter, primarily, but she is also a sculptor, a writer, a gardener, She's just generally a creative and really fun person. Yeah. I find her personality really parallels in her work. She's kind of cute and fun and whimsical, yeah. and she just has that spirit about her, and you can really see that in her artwork. So I think she yeah, she was just a and she's somebody I really learned from as well i've I've mentioned before I don't actually personally know a lot of painters in particular. And so it's always inspiring and helpful to chat with somebody who's walking the same road.
0: She's an artist through and through. That's what I would say about yeah, her. Definitely. That was my first time meeting her, and yeah, she's very talented and just looks at the the world and everything she approaches in a in a creative way. It seems.
1: She's an active member of the Peggy's Cove Area Festival of the Arts. And we talk about this in the episode her role on the board and as an artist. So the timing is great for this interview as well because the festival studio tour is coming up this weekend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 14th, 15th, and 16th. And there's to seventy artists in the Peggy's Cove and St Margaret's Bay Road area, uh, Togetherland included, is a participant in that. And you can just drive around and check out everybody's studio.
0: Yeah, it's a fun day. You go for a drive, you get a coffee, and you know, put some rum in it, and then uh, <laughs> or Bailey's maybe. Rum and coffee is everything. Tone really it down, huh? Uh, and yeah, just check out awesome art all around this beautiful area on the water.
1: There's a map online that you can download, or there's paper copies of the map as well. And everyone will have their sign in front of their studio with their location number, so you can pair up the map map to where that location is. You're number is. forty, right? I am number forty. Yes, seven six two eight Saint Margaret's Bay Road, Togetherland Art Gallery. And like I said, there's there's dozens of artists that participate in this. This is kind of our big fun summer weekend of art and a creativity. Party. A lot of us create right on site, so. Uh, yeah, Sarah is always an active member of that, and uh, Patricia Lindley is another artist who's part of the Peggy's Cove group. And Sarah and Patricia have a collaborative show coming up at the Craig Gallery on August thirty first. That is about uh, the Arctic is the, Arctic, the theme. Yeah, so That's that will cool. be yeah that'll be a beautiful show. Just knowing their styles, how they'll come together, I'm excited to see what that uh, collaboration will look like.
0: Yeah, and we had a really good chat with Sarah and just kind of dive into, I guess, what being a creative person is and how she became the legend that she is.
1: <laughs> She's got a great perspective, great storyteller. I This was a lot of fun. I think everyone will sit back and just enjoy this chat.
0: And yeah, people can... Come check out your gallery, Togetherland, this, what, 14th, 15th, 16th? What are the times?
1: I am open 10 to 5 each of those days. As are most studios, not every artist participates every day. So I think Sarah actually is only open the Saturday and Sunday of the festival. But all of that info is listed on the profiles on the website.
0: Nice. Well, yeah, we'll probably see a lot of people come through and meet a lot of people and... You never know who's gonna step in. Maybe Barack Obama will be there.
1: I, I hope he is.
0: Who else are you hoping for? Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder.
1: Yeah, he'll be there probably.
0: Um, Anne Murray. Anne Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's better <laughs> chances of her than you. Ne- you never know though. You never probably know. equal. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. Could be. Any
1: of you listening? Anybody? We'd love to see you. Just. It's a very low pressure way to take in art you get to like nobody's expecting anything other than just come say hi.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a really cool thing and I'm going to be there probably the bulk of the time. I hope so. And I'll be, I'll be maybe playing some guitar in the background.
1: It'll just be a big surprise.
0: I am excited. It's a it's a good time for you artists, you know, you, you don't get a lot of opportunities to to showcase in this way, so it's it's a it's a cool way to kind of come together as a community and just show what you've been up to and what what do you got on the go.
1: That's right. So, yeah, we'll hope to see all your beautiful faces over the weekend and just reach out if you have any questions or want more information on the festival. And Sarah would be happy to do that as well.
0: Well, let's get into the chat with Sarah. And we don't have... Uh, an introduction as we normally do uh this episode sarah reads a little bit of her writing which is uh, really fun and it's uh, a little entertaining piece she created
1: it's very fun we smiled the whole time yeah a very special introduction for you today so thanks for tuning in folks and we'll see you here every wednesday let's go one to have to throw them away
0: (laughs) well I didn't I didn't know if they would go bad because the sugar obviously doesn't go bad but I didn't know I don't know the exact ingredients in yeah
1: we just assumed everything was bad after a week of being unplugged all of that to say thank you for these beautiful postcard gifts and I have something to give you in return they're just not made yet (laughs) it's just good to be
2: here this is fun yeah, it's so yeah, nice to have yeah. You. we're
0: we're honored to have you. A very talented artist in many rights, and you live fairly close by.
2: I do. I live on the Peggy's Cove Road, um, close to the finer diner in Hackett's Cove.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've eaten there a couple times. Always a, a great experience.
2: Did you grow up that, in that area? No, um, I I'm actually from Orillia, Ontario. From O-Town, I call it. Yes. And my family, my parents are still there. My One of my brothers is still there. So I went to Georgian College for three years in Barrie, which is close to Orillia. And then I came to NASCAD in 2001, and I just never left.
0: Wow. And the, the first uh, college you went to, was that for creative endeavors as well?
2: Yeah. Um, Georgian College has a great art program. Yeah. Uh, we, we had to take everything. Um we, we even learned how to make paper. Uh, we did printmaking, um, sculpture. You know, like if you wanted to learn how to weld, that was there. Yeah. Um, I learned how to carve wood and stone when I was at Jordan College. Um, yeah. And NASCAD has a, an incredible foundry program and also a really good sculpture department. So pretty much that's all I did when I got here. I didn't yeah. really paint at NASCAD as a student. Um, mostly I was in the basement.
1: When you first started art school, did you know which discipline you wanted to specialize in, or was that your way of kind of finding your voice?
2: That's a good question. Uh, Again, back to Georgian College, they have a foundation year. I'm pretty sure NASCAD has a foundation year too, where they kind of smatter you with lots of history and uh, certainly a lot of drawing too, like just basic figure drawing, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of homework assignments. And I think you find it, after taking all of the different things that you sort of specialize anyway, but I like to tell people, like, everything overlaps, like, artwork overlaps into one discipline into another. Um, so the more skills you have, yeah. the more interesting your basket is.
0: And obviously, if you went into a post-secondary education for the arts, you must have had art in your life uh, growing up. What's your... What's your first memory? What's young
1: Sarah, the artist? Yeah, what's
0: your first memory uh, off being an artist? Or just having a creative epiphany, maybe?
2: I I like the word epiphany. Thank you for using epiphany. I was the kid that wouldn't shut up. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I was often in the hallway, like, because i like, I have an idea. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, what about this? I have an idea. And uh, just like uncontrollable creative urges that, Came with language. Started with language before I really had, uh, you know, the skills of like art skills. Yeah, to express um, it. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I was an artist at a young age because I was full of all these ideas, and and I realized like you have to do the ideas because nobody knows what you're talking about. You yeah. have to, and and now I, I I say to myself like nobody really cares if you're an artist until you have made your art. Mm. And, and, and that goes for any creative discipline.
1: I, w- I want you to explain that a little bit more. Meaning you feel like people are, don't care that you're calling yourself that or that that is part of sort of your essence. But seeing something that you've made, does that give explanation to who you are? What- I guess so. Okay. But also,
2: in, and again, this isn't just for me. This is for everybody. You have to do the work. Like, you know it's in your head. Uh, and you can talk about your your blue tree painting till you're blue in the face, but you have to show it. It has You have to produce something. And that's what uh, separates artists from people that would call themselves like the Sunday afternoon painter or something like that. Because or we could use the word amateur, which is um, a mean word, I think, because really it means to love. And we use it as a diss mm. a lot of times. It's not a diss, not at all. If you create something, you, you create love, like you create an energy, you, you've made a thing. And the creative act, whether it be baking a cake or making the truffles or, or an art or a music, a poem, you've added to the world and, and sharing it just makes that addition more powerful. It's not mandatory, but if you want people to see you as the artist... Just make your art.
1: Does having that outcome, that thing that you've made, does that feel like your way of explaining or expressing who you are?
2: It certainly helps, yeah. Yeah. Um, Often it's a ridiculous thing. Uh, And I I think that people relate to the sillier paintings, for example, better than the easily explained paintings. And I think that's important because... The older we get, we, we sort of, our imagination gets squeezed out of us for practical reasons or for uh, embarrassment reasons. Uh, grow up, right? Mm. No, grow down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grow outward. Um, don't be shy, which is, you know, if we could just fail and be done with being a failure, then we could pretty much do anything.
0: Do you think part of being an artist is the sharing component can you be an artist could i be holed up in the woods in the middle of nowhere and be creating things but if no one sees it is it still art
2: sure it is Yep. Yeah. um but it's not as much there's, there's just not enough energy or as much energy behind it and i think some people can can um, make a sculpture in the forest and walk away and be happy that they don't have to be there to get the credit they, knew, they know they've done the creative thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it gets a bit sticky with, um, with ego, I think. People, you know, like, oh, I'm an artist, and they just want to roll their eyes. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, uh, because they can't really understand what that means. But I don't think you have to share, but it sure is important to share. And I think that's part of being alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like obviously you can be an artist. Like, I think everyone's an artist in some way. Like, you could work at a convenience store, and the way you stock the shelves is your representation of art, or like that's the most basic way you could look at it. But I feel like in creating something, if you don't put it out to the universe or to the world, then it doesn't have that, I guess, reciprocal uh, feeling that can come from it. So you're you're not influencing anyone, you're not putting that energy out there. So yeah, it was just something I wanted to explore. And Kristen, what are your, your thoughts on that?
1: I like the word cyclical, because I think it is about this full circle, re- giving and receiving, I'll call it. And Part of that is about the gratification or satisfaction that you feel about having made something. So yes, does it still count, quote, air quotes, as art? Yes. But I think the relationship between the maker and the audience or the consumer gives more life not only to the piece itself, but to the person, to the people that are having that interaction and relationship. That's how I
0: would yeah. summarize
1: mm-hmm. that experience of making and how it's received. I do want to pick up on what Sarah has said about the observation or the epiphany of your work in it being maybe more playful or whimsy and people almost in appreciating that style more than, say, your standard landscape. Or in Nova Scotia, you'll see a lot of lighthouses and sailboats, which are beautiful technical pieces of of work. I can't, I'm not capable of making those. But as an abstract artist, I wanted to talk to you, Sarah, about how your your work is, how I would describe it, very playful. It's very fun. Uh, it's imaginative. It's something you can get lost in. You find little secrets in there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. I, I sometimes get the feedback that people are uncomfortable with art that doesn't look like something they can really identify or relate to. And I wondered if you have this experience yourself and how you emotionally manage that feedback.
2: I think it's important to not like everything you see. I think that's okay. Um, especially with abstract, like you're, chal- you're poking someone in the eye. With yeah. the colors with the shapes, and then you're leaving them with the responsibility to think for themselves. And I think that's why abstract artists are continuously making abstract work still. it's It's important that we have things to think about. And I, again, back to the imagination, man, it's what separates us from the computers having, like it, it keeps that's humanity is to to imagine, is to think. And I think a lot of people about, uh, appreciate the landscape um, because it reminds them of somewhere they already were. Mm. And um, an abstract painting is a lot of responsibility. And that's why some people just, they don't, they say, I, I don't get it. We don't have to get it. You feel it. Mm. It's like they don't say to one of your songs, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> Maybe they have. Maybe. <laughs> it's Maybe been I don't. Sad. You know, and
2: <laughs> it's just. But, um, but again, I think that's as an artist, you don't want to be completely understood. Yeah. You want to be thought provoking.
1: I've considered the uncomfortable part of it being important. I actually like that about it now that I've come to learn and accept that it's not about liking it or not liking it, that feeling of uncomfortable, you've achieved something by just surmising an emotion in someone but I hadn't thought about the thinking part of it could be the reason that people are uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, sadly, a lot of people won't go into an art gallery because they're not going to buy anything is the number one um, conundrum. I Can't afford it. I can't go in. Not true. And second of not true. Uh, what if I don't get it? Like, what if I don't understand what I see? and, and I, and, and there's a, a dash of uh, a shame potentially uh, there, which is, um, we need to erase that, people. <laughs> yeah. Go into the art gallery. It's it's open for you. Like, you're allowed. And people will ask you if they can help you find anything. And you say, I'm just looking around.
0: And there's, like you said, it's all about feeling. There's no, no such thing as getting it. It's just, you, you automatically get it. If you don't understand what it is, that's your interpretation of it like you don't you don't have to say oh that represents this or that or Mm -hmm. i remember uh alistair mcleod a famous famous author um friends with his his sons and uh his book was getting like these reviews from all around the world and uh he and people were trying to put the the meaning in what he was saying in certain spots and they're saying, yeah, hey, what does that tree represent? Like, is that the story of it? And they'd go on and on. And he's like, it's just a tree. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like it, to some people, maybe it could be this, I don't know, this represent life and death or a- anything. But when when the creator is creating it, it can be as simple as that's just a tree and you can take it for what you want to take it as.
2: Yeah, I think trees are really powerful um, let's say icon. I'm going to use icon. I use the tree a lot. Uh, I think it's one of the most natural thing that relates closely to humans. They're individuals um, growing as community. Um, there's lots to say about a tree.
0: They can communicate with each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can mean something different to every viewer, which I think speaks to the point that you're making Mike is that there's no wrong interpretation of a piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. That's actually the liberating part of creating it is that your interpretation doesn't have to align with maybe what I was feeling or had in mind. It's not incorrect if you see it differently and that that's become a freeing part of of my work and and I love how you raised how Alistair pointed out like it's just a tree because mm-hmm. That's another thing and I that I wanted to ask you about Sarah is how like I find what I'll call the advanced or established artist often has this really mystical way of explaining their work or this was my inspiration and it's quite philosophical and deep and sometimes I just make things because they're pretty and that's the extent of the thought I've put into it but I've struggled with that being enough or right or wrong and working through that, but just wondered your experience in finding your voice ultimately. And was that on, an uncomfortable journey for you? What what voice?
2: I don't know. <laughs> uh, when do you find your voice? I don't know. Uh, um, someone told me once that my voice sounded like a cartoon character. I know that's not what you're talking about, but like... <laughs> uh, Don't you think we need to keep searching for what our story is? Like the story changes and your voice is your story or what you've done with your life is your story. And um, as an art maker or you might even say object maker, because some things are just simply it's a flower painting. Mm -hmm. I needed to paint. I have the creative urge. And also you need to get warmed up like people that uh, a musician doesn't just show up and start to play like you practice. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't you practice?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah,
2: so art people have to practice and, and again, and, and experiment and fail and burn things and hide things and paint over things, mm-hmm. give things away, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you don't nail it every time. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that ever changes. Like we don't, we don't grow out of the experimentation stage, but we do lose the imposter syndrome, you might say which is a blessing if you can get past the, the questions. It's a nice place to be. Yeah.
1: I, I raised this question with you as well, having I'm on the heels of just a day creative retreat that I attended with uh, Chanel Jefferson, who was a former guest of ours on the podcast. And she was talking about during art school, going through a lot of this uh, prompted creativity She has found a style that she feels connected to and more so, uh, and I don't want to put words in Chanel's mouth, but just how I gathered what she was talking about is this is what people are buying now. This is how I'm making a living. And she still loves it. It's not driven by that purchase, but she said it's become harder for her to just play and keep experimenting and allow herself time when she knows that, well, I have to invest X number of hours a week to create these things that are going to buy my groceries. Yep. <clears throat> so that, I guess, we, so she and I sort of shared this conversation of, I have found this thing that is working for me to create a lifestyle. I see a real solid identity. And I mean, you do multiple creative expressions, but in reference to your paintings... You have a style. I see a painting and I'm like, that's a Sarah Irwin, hmm. which is beautiful. I that's love cool. that. Yeah. Um, but do you feel like you have those same kind of boundaries because of that and because people are celebrating what you're making?
2: Oh, thanks. Um, uh, I don't feel as though I have any boundaries anymore, except that my studio is like a shed. So mm. it's Physical. pretty full. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not. Excited to, but like I just finished two paintings that are four by four foot square, then they won't fit in anybody's car. So it's <laughs> like if only if a rectangle, it would be gone by now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's no problem. We'll get a truck. Like we'll get those out of there. But uh, it's just um, we all think that we're limited, but we're all, that's all in our heads too, right? Like find a way if you want to do an if you want to do an art thing. Find a way. Even, like, oh, I don't have the materials. Go to the dollar store. Really, like, they have mm-hmm. everything you might need. Like, um, or ask for help or take a class. Like, we did this thing in, at the William Black Hall called Drop In and Draw um, all winter. And that's what it was. It was a gently guided drawing experiment so that people could learn how to draw in a, in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably do it again in the fall. And anyone was invited, and that's what we did. we drew i I forced you to draw something that you wouldn't have chosen to draw for yourself, and it works and and that's the e word that's encouragement mm. so uh sorry, I'm ranting along' no I lost the, <laughs> I I lost this the is what we want
1: you here
0: <laughs> I think if you look for the opportunities like if you're if you're on a budget, I guess that's kind of um something that a lot of people think limits them. You you can find the opportunities if you look for them. I, I think you're, you're, you're mentioning some there. And in the music world, in Halifax alone, you can record at the, the library for free if cool. you just take an hour long uh, course there that they, they guide you through and teach you how to use the equipment. And is it as good as a high quality studio in New York? No, but <laughs> you have access to some microphones and some gear that you, you don't at home and... I think there are opportunities there and just, yeah, free classes and, and things like that. And anyone who ever wants to create, like, hopefully they can find a medium. Like, they're not, that that's not the, the only limitation. Like, I know everyone's in a different circumstance and they might be so busy they can't find the time, but just find that 15 minutes a week, even, you know?
2: Love that you said that because, um, art people, especially us messy ones, Kristen, you might be a dash messy, they're just, a, just mm-hmm. a hair, just of a, a bit. Mess. Um, yeah, do you have any clothes without paint on them, or do you have a separate caution? Neither
1: for- my wardrobe nor Mike's is safe from paint <laughs> splatter, yeah, I understand, nor are my kitchen cabinets <laughs> or floors or furniture, yeah. Or, yeah,
2: yeah, that's how we roll, <laughs> yeah. Um But you said the word time, time is, uh, we all have 24 hours in the day and you pick how you, how you spend those. Of course we have to, uh, survive. And I think people with, that have children, especially young children that they're in a time warp, like they're in a different category, but in general, um, creative people, uh that's the best way to procrastinate oh I don't have time because I need four hours of pristine silent alone time with nothing else in my brain and it's like wait wait now if you just did one hour if you have one hour of time go in and fiddle with something or send an email or read a blog or listen to a podcast like it doesn't always have to be brushed to canvas um, yeah. everything you do with your time kind of steeps into the tea of, or the brew of your life, you know, your creative self.
0: I remember, uh, listening to, uh, talk with Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, what, what does she write? Big Magic. magic. Like, big big yeah. Magic. Yeah. Um, that's a good book, but it's an, uh, I think a meditation app I have, Calm, they have these masterclasses and there's one talk with Elizabeth Gilbert, and she was talking about when she was a young creative person and trying to, trying to write her first book. Um, and she had this mentor, this established person in, the, in the writing world. And Elizabeth was saying like, Oh, I just, I just don't have time. Like I'm busy. I'm working from eight hours a day. Then I got to do this and this. And then, then her mentor said, what's your favorite show? She's like, well, um my favorite show right now is, and she said what it was was like, okay. And then, uh, she's like, well, if you really want to create, you would just not watch that show. (laughs) Like you can really look at the hours of your life and make a, I guess a time chart and see how you're spending your time. And yes, a lot of people are very, very busy and they can't find a lot of time to do the, what's, what they want to create on the side but there is time in there if you just may make it work and mm-hmm. yeah maybe you don't watch this show or you watch one episode instead of two and then you have an extra hour like there's there's little ways to and sh- and watching shows is just an example obviously there's a million things you can be accountable for in terms of your your time but mm-hmm. i think there is if you look for it you can you can make it happen
2: yeah and, uh, exactly like what matters to you, like, yeah. where's, what value are you putting on, on what thing? And, um, I think a, a time is the best excuse cause we can all relate to that. Like that, get, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Yet. And that gets us out of there being accountable for, for, for how we've spent our time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, just, if you just do a little bit, it adds up. Yeah, Yeah, and
1: do needlepoint while you're watching that show. Yeah, why not? There's a way to like slowly incorporate it into your life, too. Like you're saying, Sarah, it doesn't have to be this, okay, I need four hours, it has to be this light, I have to have this level of energy, I have to, you know, all of these things. The rarity of that lining up, we would never get any work (laughs) done. We wouldn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you um, have resistance before you start your creative process, though? I hear this is a common thing with artists, that we go through a little bit of this mental, like, like for me, I'll throw in a load of laundry and then I'll have a snack. And I love doing it, but I always <laughs> go through this process of, oh, I'm just going to kind of mentally dabble in other things for an hour before I'll let myself just dive into it. I find a
2: costume change helps a lot, mm-hmm. um, like get into the dirty clothes. First, whether yeah. your art clo- your art clothes not necessarily dirty, but they might have rips or paint on them. That helps a lot. Um, and uh, also, like I, I used to have a big, big studio inside my house, and I always felt like I needed to be doing housework when the studio was in the house. Now that I'm in a shack, I close the door and I'm at work. Like, yeah, and um, and I think back to the time excuse or uh, reason. Um, or lack of time rather, it's people don't have space. Like I get to leave my mess out and I work on many, many projects at a time, which isn't necessarily, um, I don't recommend that. But uh, uh, so if you, inst- if you get stuck, if you're not sure which, what you're doing with, such a, with a painting, for example, rather than stop, I just find something else to do work on a different piece. And with oil paint it kinda dries slowly, so you kinda have to do it in stages so it doesn't get all mushed up.
1: Yeah. You're an oil painter, you're a sculptor, you're a writer. Am I missing any other outlets that you turn to?
2: A gardener. I think mm-hmm. we need to put gardener gardening is an art form. Love it. I don't know if I fall into that category of art gardener, but um Yeah. I, I really like um poems and illustration, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I like to, I, I show up at the easel, that's my job. I go to the easel and just, if there isn't a specific assignment, then you just have to get beyond the white surface. Like, uh, So I start with acrylic, actually, mm-hmm. and I make what I call an underpainting, which is just adding paint, like directionless um, and often... That gets you warmed up and that's your, your stretch, your mental stretch. You're actually like making progress even though you don't even know what the goal is yet. But often that's when the idea comes. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you kind of have to go into a, uh, let's call
1: it meditation.
2: Yeah, you might, that must happen to you.
1: Oh, sure. Getting over the white canvas part yeah. is, is huge. I, I, I don't struggle with that anymore. I, I'm used to a bit. I, I understand what others mean when they talk about that being just or the blank piece of paper yep. if you're songwriting or or any form of writing. I That doesn't bother me as much as it used to anymore. It's It's just the getting started. Like if I'm standing in front of the canvas, that isn't the barrier. It's the putting on the clothes part, like before all of that happens. That is my resistance still. Mm-hmm. but but working away on that. Yeah. I want to ask you about risk taking. Do you find it's important in your life to take risks so that it's reflected in your art?
2: Hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they're one and the same. I I'm I would describe myself as sort of an indoor girl, which means um Like, I don't like boats, for example. Mm -hmm. I could go on a boat, but it wouldn't be my first choice of, like, so I don't consider myself to be a risky person, but I have a pretty um, out-of-control imagination. So (laughs) there's a balance there. Like, um, my husband is the risk taker, I think. Okay. Yeah, with projects, like, let's buy a diner, it'll be fun, kind of things like that.
1: Did you guys run the Finer Diner? Yeah,
2: we owned the Finer Diner from 2007 till 2016.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. And when we bought it, it was pretty funny. There was a dory in the parking lot. And uh, Kate, okay, I'm a pretty small person. And I walked up to the dory because it needed, was in the way. And I went, bloop. And the Dory fell apart. Like it just. (laughs) Unraveling. It was a real Dory too. Yeah. The paint was holding it together. So anyway, we did a lot of, I I would call it a renegade renovation. And then we built this, the finer diner. And then um, now we've sold it because it was time to do other things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So was that your livelihood and painting was something that you did just in addition to, or how did that balance of work look for you?
2: Oh, there wasn't a balance Mm. at the time that people who own any small business, as you know, is so much work that behind the scenes that people don't realize. But a food business is time sensitive. Um, It's, you know, you have to make the pie that day. And then you have to make it again the next day and the next day. And that's what you want. You want to be busy, but you're perpetually preparing uh, fish and chips, for example. And, mm-hmm. and that's a successful restaurant. But if, if that's not how you want to put your creative energy, then yeah. So I found it. I, I appreciated that the diner needed paintings. And I met so many cool people because you just have to. You're there,
1: right? Mm-hmm. You
2: have no idea who's gonna walk through the door. Yes. And uh, anyway, I so appreciated the the things I learned with the diner, but it it wouldn't have been my first choice.
1: And did you leave that work to pursue art more wholesome or fulsome? Fo- I should say. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the idea. But mm-hmm. uh, like, and you think, okay, it's like people that um, I'm you know they did this job and they just can't wait to retire but I would caution those people to be ready for retirement because it it was I was very depressed after we had the diner and it should have been the other way around like I'm free I can do my art every day and it just doesn't work like that like creativity is a practice but it's not like a tap you don't really you can't turn the tap on and off as easily as you would like to Uh, We've actually,
1: Mike and I have actually talked about being artists and not retiring being a positive thing about it. So I I know a lot of people look forward to retirement, but part of it's that we enjoy what we do and hope that that maintains. But it's not like you're saying, really in our control. And we know that about ourselves anyway. So come 60 or 65 or any number that we hopefully make it to, there is no cutoff date Mm -hmm. for
2: it. Artists don't retire. They just get ripe. Really, really ripe, you know? And I think, um, I know a person that, an incredible painter, and she doesn't really paint much anymore, but I wouldn't consider her to be retired. I think she's just actually tired. Like, it doesn't feel the Mm. need to make
1: more work. Yes. Um, As Mike prompts up his straight
0: injured back right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this doesn't uh interfere with my show I have coming up. Well, I, yeah, I gotta put the heat on it and take some uh, Robaxa set and see where that takes me. But yeah, no, I, I think I still got a few years left in me, you know. I don't think this will be the end of my musical career, uh, a, a back that's a little bit off kilter at the moment. It's uh, yeah, you I was know, hoping. just yeah. uh. We all come across little roadblocks ar- along the way and, you know, you just have to figure out how to how to get through it. I know um, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters broke his leg on tour oh. and rather than cancelling the tour, he made this like giant throne, like it was just the coolest seat ever and like flames were coming out of it and he just sat in his, uh, his throne and played a rock show. There so, you go. You, you gotta... need a
1: throne. <laughs> we yeah. should all have thrones, really. <laughs> I think for our guests, we should put them on a throne. <laughs> for
0: the podcast. So make a little bit more room in here and we'll, we'll try it. That's awesome. But this, <laughs>
1: this brings up a good point, actually, about making... So my very first and one of my only art classes, I did not go to art school, but I have done classes and my Aunt Carol took me to my very first one as a teenager. And something that stuck with me since then was this idea of Please go make mistakes and you working with the mistakes is what leads to the ultimate finished product. Mm -hmm. Does that come up in your learning?
2: They call it the happy accident. Happy accidents. There you go. um, And again, back to uh, like, I think that failure is um, something we want to avoid, but that's where the lessons are. That's how we grow after like if we've survived a failure and moved forward we're like okay I won't do that again or I won't do it that way and this Mm -hmm. is why and um people that do art I don't know as soon as you say art we assume that it's going to be real precious Mm -hmm. and it's not always going to be a masterpiece and I think that um and also you don't have to go to art school by the way I think that's um if you can, absolutely go. I I would go back if I yeah. could afford to and mm. needed, you know, if someone would drive me, I would go. <laughs> but uh, like, um, again, like nobody cares if you're an artist or not until you have made your art mm. and think that's the root. So like, that's the basic. You just have to do your thing. Mm. And everyone has a different way of doing it.
0: What? lessons did you learn in art school that you still carry with you today
2: keep your brushes clean mm. yeah. mm-hmm. which i don't do but uh, the reason <laughs> is because you, our art our, our supplies are very expensive and um i was kind of joking there because i don't really clean my brushes. <laughs> I, <good. laughs> I kind
1: of look away like oh <laughs> like, shoot! <yeah. laughs>
2: what is that smell <laughs> yeah it's the fermenting brushes um there's so many things uh yeah. one of the things is that uh, you're forced to learn about art history and, oh, boring, whinge-whinge, All these old paintings. But what's interesting is if you learn a bit about art history, you, you're you easier, or it's easier to go to an art gallery and stand beside an abstract painting that you probably don't understand, but you, but you can relate to it in a different way and, like, you've, uh, it, I guess the word meaning can be shot in there, like it's, um, things start to come together more and, History of the world and the history of art and music as well, they, they all, it all lines up. So um, I think the good art, the, the capital A art that we revere and that we keep forever, or um, line up to see, uh, it's connected to important times in history. Yeah. And I think that's important to learn about. Um, but go to the library. I love going to the library, and you just stand in the aisle that you're interested in, and the books will find you. Like they just kind of pop off the shelf at you. And you can take out as many books as you want now. I don't know if people realize that. Um, So, and you don't have to read the book. There's no quiz uh, if you've been to the library, but just flip through and get inspired. It's amazing. And we have a wee little intent town. Our library is kind of small, but doesn't seem to be ever the same art books there.
1: I love it It there. rotates mm-hmm. out,
2: yeah. Everyone should go to the library more.
1: Yeah. In terms of failure, is there a story or an example that comes to mind that you had that lesson that really stands out to you? Oh,
2: I don't, I can't think of a particular lesson right now, but one, if we're going to have a chapter about failure... So many times I've missed opportunities and I knew that I missed them. And for whatever reason, um, I didn't show up or I didn't go. Or Here's a good example. In 2014, I was shortlisted to be in a sculpture competition for Kingsbury Gar- Gardens, which is a beautiful ornamental garden in um, St. Andrews-by-the-Sea in New Brunswick. And so it had to be Certain size, I'd be 40 inches tall. And anyway, I went to great expense and much effort to carve this gigantic uh, jellyfish sculpture. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting excited over here. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this marble sculpture, um, a jellyfish, and it was very exciting. And uh, we went to the opening night. It was under this big tent, beautifully catered, and all these fancy people and wearing, you know, white linen hats and and, and at this fancy garden party. And one of the judges came up to me. Uh, I didn't win the contest, by the way. It was just cool to be in, included. But he he stood by my chair inside this really, really loud dinner tent and talked to me for about 15 minutes, and I didn't hear a word that he said. <laughs> a word. And it's just like in hindsight, it's like, why didn't I ask him to go outside the tent so I could hear what it was he was saying he was giving me incredible advice and insights and um and i totally regret that that's a, one of the examples anyway
1: yeah it's a great example i had read a story on your website about a turtle huh a very special kind of turtle and wondered if you could talk about that moment cuz i think it's something relatable and and powerful
2: mm, thanks yeah um so on my palette, my messy palette sits a plastic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and uh, you know artists like toys. We're allowed to have toys. Everybody secretly likes toys. Look man. at this so room like, we're in, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, nice lion. Uh, mm. Anyway, um, got to get the story right. So that we talked about the diner. So post diner, we can use quote works were quotes for the word retirement but post diner yeah so I was like okay the world is my oyster but I I couldn't figure it out I was a bit creatively stuck and it's like well we wanted to build a house so in order to do that you kind of have to have a job because the bank already doesn't like you right as mm-hmm. a creative person at all um, so I kept applying for jobs but nobody would hire me and it was getting a bit frustrating is the best word I was t- feeling a complete loser mm. um just been rejected that morning so it was like early spring and I was like well if I can't find a job and by the way brackets I should have been doing art the whole time anyway like hello uh <laughs> anyway can't find a, like a regular job I might as well just go and rake leaves in the forest and make compost like at least I can make something rot if I can't get a real job yeah. i just do something practical so I'm all annoyed with myself and I have a rake in the middle of the forest in April which is like ridiculous because there's hardly any leaves and the rake kept getting stuck and I kind of got really mad and I yeah the rake was like stuck in a root or something like that and I kind of threw it down and it sprunged back up because it was stuck in the root and I got really mad and I threw my hands up in the sky and I yelled at God, I, I guess. And I was like, what the bleep am I supposed to be doing with my life? And then it got real quiet. Like the birds stopped singing and I was kind of embarrassed. And I looked around to see if anyone noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> I yanked the rake out and just continued to sort of embarrassingly rake away. And th- three or four rakes later, I rake up this teenage mutant ninja turtle out of the forest in a farmhouse where two old people had lived. Like this toy had no business being in there Mm. in the middle of the forest. And what's interesting is that a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles are named after Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, and Donatello, which are all pre-Raphaelite artists. And I want to talk about, I'm glad I had a pile of leaves raked up sort of because I just sat down and had a big cry. And I just felt like that was the, a huge, huge uh, message. So that's why I kept the turtle.
1: I love this story. Mm. It just feels so like we've all had that moment of question, doubt, frustration, screaming our heads off, yep. crying. And to have, to, for you to be open enough to accept that sign or gift or toy. To, to see it for, for that instead of just overlooking it amidst your emotion, I think is also critical in part of this story. Yeah. It's being open to these signs coming in. It was a huge, to- like, also when I think, I
2: think I was probably eight years old, I went to a birthday party and the birthday party was to go to the movies. And I think I'd been to the movies maybe to see Bambi. Like, we went to the library on Friday night. We didn't go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was one of the first movies that blew my mind was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one with the the puppets and the everything was dark and slimy and, the, like, everything kind of was computer-generated but not, like, it really blew my mind. Yeah. It was like a, a, a door had opened in my head.
0: Which, yeah. uh, which turtle did you find, do you know?
2: Um, the red
1: one, Raphael. Raphael? Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) yeah, pretty cool. Have you ever had a moment like that, Mike, that you can think of? Maybe it came from writer's block or, like, just creative frustration that you sort of had this breakdown and then something brought you back?
0: Uh, well, I don't know if there's anything, like, super specific like that. It's just... I guess more just sailing through the highs and lows and mm-hmm. knowing how to ride it out. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, when you get to a certain point where things aren't going exactly as planned, that it will turn around. There's not, I never got to a point where I'm like, well, this is the end or it's time to mm-hmm. figure out something else. Um, I've always had the, uh, I guess optimism and hope and belief that things would always work out. So I it was always just knowing that a good thing would be around the corner. And at any time, I did hit a a low like that. The good always did come, but I never had a significant moment like finding a ninja turtle <laughs> <laughs> in a in a pile of leaves. Um, but yeah, I guess there's always these little things, and I think. I think being aware and being able to, to notice things like that is really important Mm to just like, because a lot of the times we, we do when we're in a negative state like that, where we are focusing on the bad and you might not be able to consciously take in this positive message that is poking you in the back of the head, you know? So I think just always being on the lookout for for those things is is necessary because they are there, even in the the hard times.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Having those blinders on can happen. Yeah. I feel I don't I don't know that we were in that state of mind, but our house was formerly owned by a painter uh, and a near nose and throat doctor. They were a couple, but. L- buying our our first and only house that had a, a built-in studio i think changed a lot for me like oh, yeah. you were speaking of the physical space and separating from mm-hmm. doing a load of dishes if you're yep. painting at your kitchen table i think that that moment really changed a lot for me
2: yep yeah it's
1: a, it's validation
2: yeah it's sort of like um you know some people think they need to have that diploma or take like or take all these courses and it's always good to take courses of, for anything doesn't matter what it is keep learning right um i don't care how old we get either we should always be learning something um but it's the mess yeah, yeah. and to be accountable for the mess and like um our uh processes are awkward And kind of dorky, and you don't want to have to explain every step of the way all the time, right? So, um, having um, a studio, even if it's just a shack or a small room, is a really, it becomes a sacred space because you're allowing the space for yourself. Yeah.
1: Are you a patient creator?
2: No. Mm. No. That's why I work on too many projects at once Mm. because I, I,
1: yeah how is sculpting working with your hands and that material different than sitting down with what i imagine is a little more precise with a paintbrush
2: mm-hmm. um sculpture is mostly thinking and then 10% whacking
1: okay <laughs> and then
2: and then back to 90% elbow grease like polish 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 like there's all kinds of different tool. i'm talk we're talking about stone by the way everyone um yeah, you can't glue it back on, so you have to really prepare to figure out. Okay, so if I if I make it into this shape, it probably won't stand up. Or if I hit this, the whole thing is going to crack in half. Yeah. Or, um, so yeah, it takes me a lot longer to to do sculpture. But then, what sculpture is all like? Stones are already an object. I have the I have this quote that how does it go? I said to the stone, I will change you into something you didn't think you could be. And the stone replies, I am already more things than you could ever possibly imagine. Because mm. they're, they're objects. They've been around. They, the idea, the difference about painting is um, a little bit faster uh, for that, for those, just more immediate. Um, but uh, yeah, sculpture—it's—it's it's more of a cerebral process, and and you kind of have to be arrogant enough to think that you have a good enough shape, or like that you can impose your shape onto this pre-shaped thing. It's so it's not like paint. I don't see a stone as a a material.
1: It's a found object. Is it, a, is it a collaboration?
2: It has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I like that way so. of thinking about working with the canvas and the paint is that we're working together. I only have so much control over it, which is one of my favorite parts, especially about abstract and the style I do, is that mm-hmm. there's a level of control I need to give up. And I think it's really helped me just as a person find comfort in myself having that outlet to say there's only so much that I have to say here and the rest of it is the painting speaking back to me I love that part of it yeah it, it uh, definitely
2: shows up in your work because it like it's kind of like a surprise yeah
1: yeah for yeah for me work. for me included yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. spoiler alert but I I love that part of it and and I'd like to talk more about collaboration because it's it's something you and I have collaborated oh, yeah, together we did. We totally which is did. super fun. Mm. And even Mike has been in- included in one of our That's collaborations right. with his song Mr. Universe. Yep. And this this three-way and our other collaboration we did with The Bird yep. was part of a prompt from the Peggy's Cove and Area Festival of the Arts. That's right. Which we've both been part of, but you've been part of this organization for a number of years. I'd love to go back to the inception of how this local arts festival came to be, because it has grown into a well-oiled beast.
2: Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. I'm pretty sure that we had our first gathering of interested, um, art makers who it's important to note that not, weren't necessarily friends. Like they were, we we're all in our little ivory towers all along the Peggy's Cove road in the, in the area, um, working independently for the most part. And uh, we had a little meeting, at I'm pretty sure it was at the Finer Diner, and maybe in 2011. Mm -hmm. And um, anyone that was interested in being on this little studio tour was invited. And then it became, uh, an opening night was created, and then it grew into this uh, plein air event that's pretty famous, actually. It's called Paint Peggy's Cove. Um, and they have forty or forty-two participants. Uh, someone up, I heard this year somebody's coming from Ireland to nice. participate in the event. Yeah, so it's not just our folks locally who paint Peggy's Cove. And so it's it's wonderful. They have things for the kids. Um, yeah, so very well organized. And the studio tour when we when we started, I don't think we had any signs at all. Maybe some balloons or something. But then the next year we made these really humble grey banner flags that nobody could see. And now, I don't know, I think there's probably 200 signs, pre-made, like, awesome signs. So it's, it's a really good tour. It has a really easy-to-follow map. It's got, um... It's online at Peggy's Cove Area Festival of the Arts dot com. All of the artists are listed there with listings, um... There's links. Um, it's free. That's important. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the Paint Peggy's Cove is, is the this weekend coming up, which will be the 8th and the 9th. Mm-hmm. And the studio tour is three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, from the 14th, 15th, and 16th of July, from 10 to 5. And uh, if you go to more than five locations, they give you this little ticket that is a ballot. Um, for every five, you get a to enter it into a draw for a $500 gift certificate, which goes towards a piece of art, um, from anyone on the tour. So nice. that's kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, and you get to pick how you spend that. Uh, it's like a voucher. So that's the, that's the prize. And, uh, we're, we love it. Like we, uh, we have, we have a couple hundred people come through our little house During that weekend, Mm. so again, you never know who you're going to meet. It's fun.
1: It's so well organized. Mm -hmm. It's so smart. I know the level of work that goes into bringing this festival to life. Is is this an area that you knew, like moving to Halifax, that was so creative? Because it was only when we found ourselves here in Halliburton and discovered, especially the arts festival, that you're we realized, like, whoa, how did we end up here? serendipitous. Cool,
2: eh? I feel that all the time too. And um, th- do you know who the mutant local is? I don't. Look her up on Instagram. Hilarious artwork. Uh, okay. She lives close by. She just joined the festival, and I follow her on Instagram. And she walked into the community enterprise last week with a painting. I'm like, "What are you doing here?" She's like, "Who are you?" I'm like, <laughs> I'm all excited, <laughs> like a big, f- like, <laughs> and uh, she brings bringing in like a, a silly octopus painting, right? And just think if we weren't having a festival, she wouldn't have been there and now we're friends. So Mm. it's like, that is really, really important um, because it's very lonely or potentially lonely to, to be an artist. And the festival has created um, painters groups. Actually, there's people that paint every week together in groups um, uh, as to find inspiration and support and they share a space and, like the bottom of St. Luke's Church, I think they rent. And I think that's important, Um, really, really important, is the, like you say, the community element. And um, I can't exactly say why there's so many artists here, but I think it has maybe something to do with the ocean. Mm -hmm. I think you'll find if you went to the other side of the country that there'd be a similar steeped area with art people, something
1: about the water. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: And both of you have stops on the studio tour this year?
1: Yep. Yes, yep. I'm location 40.
0: 40? What mm-hmm. are you? I'm number 14 this year. 14.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah, so,
2: so cool to see what's going on over at Togetherland. Yeah, I'm, looking it's, forward I'm to excited. Seeing... This
1: is my first year with a proper gallery, mm-hmm. and, and our home is a little off the beaten track yep. for where the, you know, the drive might, the natural drive yep. might be for the customer, but... What I like about the the art viewer, we'll call them, there's a number of names, but like you were saying earlier, it can be intimidating sometimes for people to walk into an art oh, gallery yeah. because oh, yeah. they think like, yeah, am I going to get it? I don't want to buy anything and whatever your list of insecurities might include. But when you've got 40 artists saying, just please come in, we're welcome, our doors are open And there are all of these people with the shared experience. It's a great invitation for anyone who's feeling a little of that resistance to check it out.
2: Um, I love it when uh, a teenager shows up, you know, the disgruntled, kind of quiet, like, this is like, I really like this, but I'm not, I'm not just super awkward, quiet, Mm. kind of um, timid teenagers. I love it when those folks come on the studio tour because their mom or the grandma brought them because they like art, but they're not sure how to get in there. And when I skipped a lot of school <clears throat> in high school, we, we <laughs> did I, oh, erase that, please. Uh, we would go downtown and visit, uh, or pester maybe is a better word, um, this guy called Al Henry in his studio and he always made time for us. Always, always, always showed us what he's working on, got really excited talking about art, and we just felt really elite that he even let us in. Um because we wanted to do what he was doing. And just to just to be allowed into the studio was, was really cool. Yeah, it and feels uh, like
1: a privilege.
2: Yeah, it is a privilege. But also it's it's helpful to the artist too because they need someone to get excited about what they're doing. And it goes back and forth, like it's it's like a, having an audience. You're playing music, and yeah. you can tell if the vibe is good. It it makes the music better somehow, doesn't it? Like the, the there's an energy there, the oh, human yeah, connectivity. 100%,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked with that on here a few times. Just the 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 energy that exists in a room when you're playing is a tangible thing that you can, you can tell in a second what that energy is like, yeah. if it's good or bad or indifferent, like it's, it's, mm. I don't know, you develop a way to, to read those rooms and, and different groups of people. And it's great that artists, because a lot of time you're just creating on your own and then sending out the pieces, having, having, uh, events where you can connect with people in that way would, would be the same idea. Yeah.
2: Um, and I, I mean, the studio tour is amazing and that's when the house is tidy and all the weird things are like the really, really <laughs> weird things are hidden away and whatnot. But, <laughs> uh, but I would say like, uh, we don't have, uh, again, like a lot of time, but I love it when I st- have studio visits. Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, because people do want to pick your brain and find out what's like, what your process is. And it's happened to me twice in the last month, um, wonderful with wonderful studio visits, but where it gets kind of like, oh, I never thought about it that way to to stand in your shed with someone else while they root through your unfinished projects mm. looking for that gem is is kind of weird mm. uh, so you have to you know figure out what your comfort zone is um but uh, I joined the Halifax art map this yeah. year for that reason because uh, I don't have a gallery per se, but I I do love it when people come and are genuinely interested in having an art visit. Yeah. 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 Hellfax
1: Art Map is another organization, mm-hmm. Catherine, who has just put mm-hmm. so much love and energy into supporting artists. So a huge shout out to all of the work that they do. Mm-hmm. They're incredible. Yeah. I, I've often made the comment to, to Mike or other musicians in particular that we don't necessarily have the same infrastructure as painters or crafters that the music community does in nova scotia with music nova scotia being this body we we have opportunities but this studio tour these types of festivals mm-hmm. are really kind of our opportunity to shine yeah. or feel it's like we belong to this greater community aside yeah. from living in our own little silos studios yeah so it's uh it's a lot of fun
0: yeah i'm, I'm excited uh, we'll be at togetherland during it but hopefully get to step out and check out some, some awesome local artists and, you know, just make those connections like you're talking about and just, yeah, yeah meet some cool people.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's good. Are, have you had a mentor or are you a mentor to anyone? Hmm.
2: Um, I think I've had lots of mentors. I've always had really sound um, teachers the opportunity to even have a teacher. Um, my parents are really, first of all, they're still alive, A, and B, they're super supportive by way of encouragement. And like, they don't really want me to be an artist because the whole, you know, how will you survive question, uh, which I think is a valid question. Um, I think I've done my time now and they're not as worried about me now, but um <laughs> artists need consistent constant encouragement and if you're not getting it from yourself it it's really helps to get it from somewhere else yeah and i think that um you yeah you really have to figure out where you're getting that uh, that's an that is a, encouragement is a form of energy it's transferable and it's very powerful um and and discouragement is probably even more powerful, unfortunately, and that's the one that we kind of burden ourselves with the discouragement. Um, and yeah, you have to find the encouragers and yeah. hang out with those people.
1: I agree. That's that's huge. And the discouragement, yes, yeah, scars you deeper than all of the hundreds of oh, nice compliments yeah. that you might get. It's very it's real. In competition, without one snide remark i hate the
2: word competition but it is it's a very real and like and back to the festival like it's if you're like oh did you sell anything did you sell how much did you sell and it's like oh you know (laughs) it's good Mm -hmm. to eat um and pay the bills but is that the measuring stick for art festival i don't know because it's it's not juried like it's not it's not a competition um but people do buy things i mean it's it's a wonderful way to meet uh, new clients, but uh I think we have to avoid uh a competitive nature in general because it sucks the, it sucks the the goodness out of creativity immediately. There's books written about that even like it's it's a it's a squelch um and the competitive nature is enough reason to not do something right. Mm-hmm i'm not good enough i'm not in that category uh you know
1: and that the sale means success and maybe again that's because that that's something we all understand that that sure. financial transaction we're like oh that means you had a good day because you sold this thing which but is a true. good day could be yeah. making a new friend or yeah yeah. yeah
2: yeah so i mean like i say like uh artists get paid in funny ways it's inconsistent um you know, you have to really be careful what you spend your money on. Uh, it's you're not getting a paycheck. Um, you will eventually get a check or two. <laughs> um, I I show at 14 Bells Fine Art Gallery, which is in the Hydrastone Market. It's upstairs, like above, like Julian's Bakery. Yes. And oh, thank you, Cheryl. She is a fabulous businesswoman, and um. Yeah, so she sends me checks. Um, God love But her. you never know. You never <laughs> you're know. you're
1: at uh, Kitchen too, correct? Oh yeah, is yeah,
2: that- yeah, that's right. Um, go to Kitchen, eat at Betty's. Um, and I have some paintings at Oh My Cod in Mahone Bay as yeah. well. And um, this is juicy. I should show you a picture. I made a big abstract painting, which is very rare for me to do. And it's hard. I, it's, it's hard to not find a rabbit or something inside mm. the um and anyway it's going to Mahon Bay as well to the Mahon Bay bed and breakfast which good is for the, you yeah so um it's it's a great way to uh be involved in other people's businesses too because uh, yeah it's a good way to share and to put your work out there and I have so many paintings in cloth in my closets like I don't need to keep them all at home Mm -hmm. it's better to have them out in the world that's wonderful and we'll put
1: links to all of your work up in our in our show notes and is your website the best place to send interested folks to yeah
2: yeah there's a you know a comment email thing with sarahirwin.ca is my emailer yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well,
0: it was a great conversation, Sarah. We kind of really dove into the essence of creativity, you know. It's uh it was a very inspiring chat there and excited for you both for the big uh festival of the arts and yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep in touch and I'd love to check out some more of your work and what else, Kristen?
1: Just it's always a pleasure to chat with other artists. I know it can feel like a lonely journey sometimes. At least I feel that way, and we've worked together, but also kind of separate. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's really nice just to sit down and get get to know you better. Mm-hmm. And thank you for opening up and spending time with us. It was Thanks beautiful. for having me. Yeah, and I know. So typically, we have something special this week for our listeners. Typically, Mike and I do an introduction portion of the podcast. But we have, uh, Sarah has brought a piece of her writing that we thought might make for a cool way to wrap up the show. So she'll, maybe Mike and I will even shut our mics off uh, so that you don't hear us coughing or sneezing or making any sounds to disrupt this. Sarah will give just a little introduction or explanation to her story. And then she's going to read us a one pager and you'll get a flavor of another expression of her creativity. So we're going to say thank you to everyone now. Thanks for being here and wrap things up with Sarah's reading.
0: Okay. Thanks folks. And here it is.
2: Okay. So uh, earlier Kristen was talking about taking risks and I brought this little story that I wrote because I consider it to be one of the risks I have recently risked and it cost me $50. So that was a risk, but also Uh, I entered a contest. So uh, it had a deadline and had eight days to write only 600 words. And it had to follow a theme. It had an emotion and a topic. And it had to be historical fiction. The emotion was empty. that had to be expressed. And the theme of the story was wanderlust. But outside of that, could be anything it wanted. Oh, yeah, and and it had to rhyme. So here we go. It's called Mango Peel Roses. A successfully shy prospector becomes a pseudo-stake-your-claim stalker when he finds himself at a Klondike circus where he falls for professional peeler Anna Burkus. Okay, here we go. Leaving holes as he ran... Curtis Weston was a worldly, self-made man. Prospecting for that sparkling dust, gold was the cure for his wandering lust. He went up to Dawson, the best boomtown, and arrived for the rush on the day a circus rolled around. Anna Burkus was part of that Klondike circus. Her sideshow left folks unsatisfied and curious. A billboard of her wearing just fruit barely passed with teetotaling groups. But the reason her show created a line was that it said Dancing Exotic Peeler on the sign. So he paid five cents to go to her Fruit Tango show and soon became romanced. She sharp knife-peeled, cut, ate, and then folded mango-peel roses by kerosene lamps as she danced. Abandoning Chilkoot to follow her show, Curtis went in disguise so that Anna wouldn't know. He paid extra for the seat that often got the rose. He had smelted her a ring, but continued with false starts. He saved her roses in a folder and pressed them to his heart. Miss Burkis had invitations and surplus and was protective of her propriety from men who thought she was not high society. She may have said yes, if he'd just asked it. Instead, he sent passive-aggressive fruit baskets. Never taking credit for any imported limes, he had dined with Anna seventeen times. She didn't mind, or didn't realize, that she was seeing one man as many, courting Curtis in disguise. Every night they dined, dinner ended prudently at nine. Curtis quietly cursed in each town when they sent in the circus chaperone clowns. (laughs) For all of his wealth and lands he'd plundered, he couldn't dig deep enough to say that he loved her. Not admitting he wasn't Reg, Fred, or Ed, he wooed her with tropical travel stories instead but tonight he would beat those nine o'clock clowns, kneel on the ground, put his disguise to the side and make Anna his bride. After dessert, he was ready to blurt that all of her suitors were him when she leaned in and said, you are an inspiration, Ted, and gently kissed him near his chin. This was his chance, and while she'd been kissing, he fumbled for the ring to find it was missing. "'Lost was the steam to come clean of his spoof. "'He needed a ring. It was the proof.' "'Will I see you again?' Curtis asked, glancing down. "'Maybe tomorrow,' replied Anna. "'We play the port side of town. "'Thanks for supper. I must go, though. Here are my clowns.' Till midday next, a jeweler exclaimed, "'Sir, this here's a deal. "'Came in this morning, Wedge, tighten this heel.' Lady said it tripped her at rehearsal, reckoned it was a sign. She set for overseas she was. The Portland steamed at nine. She had a hanker in to see some special kind of trees. It's your luck, sir. She sold this for a dream. He glared at the shoe, and there on the toe was a perfectly crafted mango peel rose. Feeling his heart had stopped. He rebought the ring he had dropped. At the pier, in the fog, with his book of rhymes, Curtis Weston's velveteen mustache drooped on one side. His gut full of loneliness and knowing he'd lied, he looked out to sea and he ripped off his disguise. Anna's shoes stood beside him, the yellow ring in his hand, his biggest hole ever was in this gold band. As he folded it into his flower peel binder, he decided to follow and to find her. The end.